0: This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network.
1: For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com.
0: Hey, this is Todd Hoffman from WSTR
2: Galactic Public Access, and you're listening to Conversations with Pat and Charles. These two goofballs will make you laugh, and you'll learn a little bit something about Star Wars.
0: a translation, to a Star Wars nation,
1: it's a celebration. Hello, and welcome to Conversations, I'm
2: Charles, (laughs) and I'm Pat, and this is episode 86. Throughout the Star Wars galaxy, there are many people, creatures, and droids that we all know and love. This series gives us a chance to know them better. Character study, Kanan Jarrus. Kanan Jarus. Hero of mm. Rebels. Very, very cool character. Yes, if you haven't seen the animated series, um, then you don't even know who he is. Right. Which is very unfortunate for you. If you've seen Clone Wars Season oh. 7. You get a glimpse. A little more than a glimpse. Yeah, you get a little hollow, and you get bad. Bad. Episode one is Kanan Jarrus or yeah. Caleb Doom. Caleb Doom. Yeah, that's Caleb a doom. That's a tough one to watch for sure. But oh yeah,
1: very yeah, yeah, yeah. very important though.
2: Yeah. So chronologically, we're introduced to Kanan Jarrus in Star Wars Rebels. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the series takes place on the planet Lothal, where young Ezra Bridger is. Sort of a street rat of sorts. Yes. Um he's the Aladdin of Star Wars basically. <laughs> um and he is just trying to make his way through the galaxy and he comes across some rebels that are causing some trouble for the local garrison of uh <laughs> Imperials. And he figures they're taking something from the Imperials that must be worth something. So he takes it from them. And uh <laughs> Gets himself caught up with this group, which is led by Kanan Jarrus. Yeah. And Hera equally. I mean, they're two very strong characters. She's kind of uh, more the uh, eye in the sky. and He's more the uh,
1: the groundwork. For for children. Yeah. My introduction to the series, of course, thanks to you, is after, I think, what, within seconds of finishing the Clone Wars? Congratulations. Now go watch Rebels.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you're like, I finished watching the animated series. (laughs) I'm like, how is Rebels? You're like, uh, okay, well, get back in there, buddy. Don't come out till it's finished.
1: Good job. You're halfway there. Um,
2: Did you No, you started watching Rebels after it was finished? Or was it still airing when you watched? It
1: was still airing because the uh, season four hadn't uh, aired yet. So I started back in okay. season one. Yeah.
2: Right, right, right. So yeah. you had started before the show ended. Correct.
1: Okay. okay. So after my quote unquote aversion to animated Star Wars, which was based on Clone Wars and like look and feel. And then having watched it and getting the lore, I was much more open to Rebels. And immediately, what aside from the characters, it was the closeness to A New Hope. It was the the stormtroopers. It was the classic.
2: You uh, mean time wise,
1: time wise. Yeah, timeline wise. Exactly. It was the classic look of the Imperial officers. It was all these different things that were very familiar from a new hope and at that point um rogue one so it was a much easier transition into getting into this show and uh, similarly with ahsoka ezra started off as somewhat of a little brash character and and like you said street rat and he wove his way into the ghost crew and immediately bonded with kanan and it's fascinating how quickly Kanan became such an important figure at you know many times reluctantly on Ezra's behalf but ultimately was the biggest mover of Ezra's progression not as just a character but as a Jedi and a force user their dynamic was so interesting and how much they both grew from each other's interactions was one of the most phenomenal parts of Star Wars in my opinion In the movies, in
2: the animated series, in the books. There's a very good reason that that they gravitated towards each other, obviously. As you find out relatively quickly in the series, Kanan Jarrus is not only Force-sensitive, but uh, was a former Jedi. Mm -hmm. So basically, he takes Ezra under his wing because he recognizes that Ezra is Force-sensitive as well. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, when you're first introduced to him, he's part of this ghost crew. The ghost is their ship. I think part of why you gravitated towards this series so quickly as well is there's so much Macquarie influence. Oh, that's true. Very true. On the series. Yep. And us both being fans of his concept stuff, like so much stuff is basically plucked from his concept drawings. Their ship, the ghost, is... Um, Somewhat falcon-like in the fact that it's kind of like a strange shape, yep. but very cool. Also built on Corellia, so it's got that same sort of feel yep. to it. Mm-hmm. So basically, we're introduced to Kanan as this sort of almost brash, you know, leader of this rebel cell, and yep. uh, somewhat reckless, but intelligent, and of course, occasionally using the Force um, to meet his means and his goals. So. He's got these objectives that are for the rebels, but then now he's also kind of mentoring this young, uh, low-saw, force-sensitive guy. So that kind of changes some of his focus as well, which helps to mature him and have him take more deliberate thought before doing some of the things that he would otherwise just jump into. Totally. And now he's got this mentee that he has to look out for. And not only does he have to make sure that he's around to keep him safe and keep him learning, but um, he doesn't want to show him that bad example either.
1: Totally. Because, as you said, timeline-wise, well, sorry, chronologically, we see Kanan as a grown man and he's part of the ghost crew. But timeline-wise, we, like you said, we saw him in uh, Season 7 of Clone Wars and then we see his master, Deppa Blava. Deppa Blava. She's taken down during Order Sixty Six on a mission yes. on a planet, and he's then he does obviously he makes it away, and the Bad Batch who are involved with them quite intimately, they let him go, and so from that point on until we see him in Rebels, we're not quite clear. Uh, at least uh, animation-wise, there's a book that you've read that you'll be able to enlighten us with uh, some of the backstory to what happens to him there. But he's, at that point, a Jedi Force user on his own. And he's like, sort of making his own way. And he meets Hera at some point, And, of course, he becomes part of the Ghost crew. But like you said, suddenly now he's got another Force user under his wing. It transforms him, or at least starts to transform him. I mean, if you look at, <laughs> you know, Kenobi's view of the... Uh, Uh, Most uncivilized weapon, the blaster, he's very good at using that because he's trying to hide his Jedi power. And of course, his lightsaber, which he has on him, just in various pieces on his belt. But uh, it's more of a. I love it. Yeah. And it's more of a way of protecting himself because he knows the Jedi are being hunted. He has to be safe and be very careful of how he displays his power because that'll immediately attract all the wrong attention. And now he's got a pupil that he now has to try and train to bring forward uh, not just his power, but also potentially raise Ezra as a new ally within the rebel cell and take
2: use of his force ability. Yeah. And it's interesting because his story jumps around so much. And you get the first introduction to him in Rebels, and then you then get the A New Dawn book, uh, which is the novel. And then there's Kane and the Last Padawan comic. Ah. And so A New Dawn uh, takes place when he's about 22 years old. And Kane and the Last Padawan is, you know, when he's a Padawan, which Goes right up to a little bit before Order 66. He and Devin Balava are on assignment with Clone Force 99. Oh, wow. So he has met them before we see him in Bad Batch. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, which is, I think, part of why they're reluctant to chase after him so much. Because they knew him personally. That's really cool. Um, and then you've got this literature where it kind of jumps around and tells bits of his story as a youngling, and then you know, as as an adult, um, through his life, trying to avoid imperial detection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, as you cobble these different kind of snippets of his life together through these different media, you get you get a very interesting picture of him as a character very very intelligent the opening scene of a new dawn is a lecture given by obi-wan kenobi cool to the younglings and you know basically he's detailing a new central security station and the jedi recall signal wow he's (laughs) explaining what its purpose is how it works and all and Young Caleb asked if the signal could be altered to send people away instead of calling them to the temple. Are you serious? Oh, my God. And, you know, Obi-Wan admits in the lecture hall that he'd not thought of that, but he assumes it's possible. So,
1: is basically responsible. Oh, my God.
2: Wow. Yeah. Again, even the book kind of jumps around a little bit with that because it starts there and then fast forwards past the Clone Wars and past Order 66 and all this stuff, to him as a 22-year-old drunk freighter, basically. It takes place in 11 BBY in the book where he's 22 years old. He's a freighter pilot in a uh Thor-lied mining operation on the planet Gorse and its moon Cinda. Basically, he hooks up with this guy that owns a bar, and so he frequents the bar as a patron. <laughs> then he, he rents a room from this guy. And then he needs a co-pilot when he gets his job with his mining operation. So he and this guy are like buds and this guy's old and grizzled. Kanan is basically keep to himself, keep your head down, do your mining operation, and then go home and get drunk. Wow. That's what he does. Wow. Um so it's like a weird place to read after seeing rebels because yeah this guy's got his act together yeah the leader of a rebel cell and it's like oh well i guess 10 years before he was a drunken mess basically right but as with any drunken mess you meet a headstrong and good-looking twi'lek and you turn your life around so in the book there's uh you know this mining operation and the empire is just depleting it of its resources they send in count vidian who say reminds me of uh the spider guy that leads the droids in the clone wars remember him oh yeah the guy who sacrificed them um uh yeah you know what i mean yeah 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 Yeah. so he he was like humanoid i guess and then he had some sort of disease and um so he had all this replacement of like essentially his whole body basically so he's got, like, some organics, but mostly droid parts and stuff. Like, he's kind of Vader-esque in terms of, like, more machine than man. But he's an analyst for efficiency. Okay. So he's dispatched on behalf of the Empire. So he's there, and he's speeding up the process of mining the Thoralide, which is proven to destroy planets. This Count Vidian has this ship, the Ultimatum, and he's doing very destructive things on behalf of the Empire. So, uh, Twi'lek, named uh, Harrison Dula, is tracking his ship to this system, and uh, she's essentially trying to sabotage him. So, he works there, Vidian comes in, she's on his tail, so they bump into each other. He's immediately smitten by her. And they're doing uh, explosives to mine this Dora and then, um, not to get too play-by-play into the story of the book, basically... They start running missions together. But he's just this drunken freighter pilot, according to him. But he's head over heels for her. Mm. And she's the Hera from Rebels. Her piloting skills are superb. Her mindset, like just everything about her, this is Hera. Like wow. from the jump. This is who she is. So cool. Um, And she's already kind of trying to sabotage the Empire. So that's perfect. Nice. Um, And he's... Got no direction, no vision, no really, no anything at this point. So he meets her and kind of turns things towards helping her, you know, to get closer to her. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and then he starts to, you know, get passionate about this stuff. So right. essentially, what happens is they're they're sort of teaming up, but they're not really a partnership yet. Okay, mm-hmm. so they're working together. And there's an explosion that causes a catwalk to fall above them that's essentially going to kill them. And he suspends it instinctively. Ooh. And wow. she sees it. And that, of course, reveals him as, as a Jedi. He comes clean, tells her, and she's like, I, I need you. He's like, I need you. So then they link up, and at the end of the book, they're starting the ghost
1: crew so cool. That's cool. Yeah.
2: So at that point, it's pretty much three or four years before the start of Rebels. So they're just getting the crew together and really in contact with like Bail Organa and stuff to get things more organized on behalf of the Rebellion. Nice. And so, I mean, it, it just takes him from this loser to a hero of the Rebellion. Right. That so we still, Kind of start to see at you know in the beginning of Rebels, so that's kind of where the book is, and then of course the episode one of the Bad Batch and Kane in the Last Padawan explore him right before Order 66 and during Order 66. Nice, it's like some some Clone Wars mission stuff in the comic that you know kind of explore his teachings with his master and then some missions that they went on, including with Clone Force 99. And then in episode one of the Bad Batch, you see the Order 66 and him, basically, uh, Devon Ballaba sacrificing for him to escape. Which which he does, obviously. Yeah. And then, so we filled in a couple gaps, and then we get to Rebels, where he's now already the the co-head of this Rebel cell Mm -hmm. and now mentoring a young, prospective Jedi. And there's no one else to train them
1: right so he will do that so we start off with series and he, they bring him in and Ezra is there and Kanan feels that connection to him like he said and he's force sensitive and it's until episode 5 rise of the old masters is where we really start to understand just how deep and how strong Kanan is in the force and mm-hmm. he starts to let Ezra know that, hey, look, this is this is the journey we're going to have to take. These are the steps we're going to have to have. Here are some of the players and but also Ezra is experiencing this for the first time and understanding where he is with his the strength of his power. Kanan starts to let him in on what he is, what he's protecting himself for and just how, I guess, dangerous identifying yourself as a Jedi is at this point. Mm -hmm. And uh, how precarious that could be, as powerful as the force can be, it's also, it will attract attention and the Inquisitors, and, mm-hmm. and it's just a very deep hole that they can go in very quickly. So it's it's a cautionary tale, but it, it's really the first time you understand just how strong Kanan is with the force. Before this, you just thought he was like a rebel, and he's got he's pretty good with a blaster, oh, and he's got some force ability, but now you understand. Just where he's
2: coming from and how important he's going to be to Ezra's development. And it's very interesting, too, because you've got all these people that are training, you know, either under the light side of the force, dark side of the force. And in Rebels, uh, especially with Kanan, you see him interacting with the Bendu, who is like the neutral force. The Bendu. Oh, my gosh. Yeah.
1: So cool.
2: So it's a very interesting thing because he was trained as a Jedi and then he was left out in the cold when Order 66 happened. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was left to kind of fend for himself and smuggle and pickpocket and and do whatever he needed to do to get by, which is also why he can't with Ezra, because after order 66 when he was on the run he was you know changed his name he, he started to pick up useful skills for those that didn't really want to attract attention mm-hmm. and how to do petty theft uh, <laughs> <laughs> so all these things are are what he also sees in ezra yeah survival skills so those things he can wow. have a sort of multi-level camaraderie with him because he's more sensitive He's kind of been where Ezra is. He knows about the destructive power of the Empire. So they and they're they're very like minded in that regard. So it's a matter of taking that power and that energy, and using the right teaching, mm-hmm. you know. And and it's it's interesting to see the humility now in the character because you know obviously when he was in uh, Jedi High. <laughs> he was um, a little less humble. And, right. and I think uh, Order 66 really humbled him because he lost it all at a moment's notice. Yeah. So it gave him a different perspective, which I think he needed as a character because he was not humble at all. So as a teacher to Ezra, it's, it's really interesting to see, you know, because he's made those connections with him on that personal level, uh, you know, multi-level connections. But through his teaching, it's not, this is how you use the force and blah, blah, blah. It's, this is how the force works. And as it embodies nature and ourselves, it can guide us, but also bend to our will. And he's so humble enough to learn from the Bendu and, and from Yoda and and. These other influences, even though there's no other real Jedi around, he's still looking for answers, looking to learn and and looking to improve upon himself at this point. By the time we see him in Rebels teaching Ezra. Yeah, and
1: he's pulling from these lessons. I mean, he literally said, do or do not, there is no try from Yoda. So he heard that before Luke even heard it. Yoda is imparting this on the Padawans. Can't remember it's that. Prob-
2: probably on like the fourth slot. <laughs> exactly, Jedi training slide four: Do or do not. There is right. no try. Exactly. Yeah, explain. I will. Just this so <laughs> on the test, it will be. It's like a fill in the blank. Do <laughs> or do not. There is no blank. Try. Do. Paint. Try. So maybe
1: he's imparting these these lessons that he's retained from his training onto Ezra and yeah it's not an easy situation because now they're doing it from a point of order 66 he has to be low-key about it and to let ezra grow as a force user but still hide it or at least keep it within control where you can look at it and say hey look i can use this power immediately and make this situation much better i'm trying to I don't know, uh, overturn five or six troopers on Lothal, you can't use your force power. You have to use a more conventional approach to it because if you suddenly use your force power, it's going to alert the wrong type of attention. Right. You know. He, at one point, he told him that when I was your age, there were 10,000 Jedi. Yeah. So this is pre-order 66. Even that number surprised me when... Cain was what, 15, 16, somewhere on there? Mm-hmm. Ten thousand Jedi. Yeah. Obviously you see a sort of a small microcosm of these Jedi in um, the prequel era, and they're, you know, they're the council and they're doing all these different kinds of things, and you see them in the Battle of Geonosis. But mm-hmm. that means there's so many more spread out through the entire yeah. galaxy to take care of all these different conflicts or to help the locals. Mm-hmm. That is crazy to think that they were all erased with an Aura 66.
2: That's- well, and that's the need for the Inquisitors, because uh, you're not going to have a 100% success rate off the bat. Hmm. You're going to take out a, a large amount of them. I would say 70 to 80% right off the jump.
1: Okay. Because of the Clone Wars because- and the
2: Clone Association. Okay. Exactly. They so have right? the clones with right. their Jedi generals And they're 30 to 1 or 40 to 1 Whatever the case may be um, To have that surprise attack on most of them Would be very effective mm-hmm. I mean, that's the most effective way to do it But you're always going to have outliers You know, when you're talking about 100 And you got an 80% success rate, you got 20 mm-hmm. Okay, you're talking about 1,000 You got 200 10,000, you got 2,000 okay so if you've got 10,000 Jedi and you're wiping out 80% you still have 2,000 which if they communicate effectively they could band together and Mm -hmm. cause a real threat to the Empire because they're the only ones that know about the betrayal of the Empire everyone else thinks that it was the Jedi's fault so you've got these threats to the Empire that need to be extinguished so that's where the Inquisitors come in and the Mm. first place we see them is in Rebels yeah. And yep. you're absolutely right with keeping your stuff quiet because in the first episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi, you've got oh, we know there's a, a Jedi here and we're going to find him so they threaten the one who they perceive he's closest to and what happens? He uses the Force to protect him and reveals himself. Right. So, you know, then he escapes, but spoiler alert, ultimately he does not <laughs> escape. So, and that's the thing. Is then you need this Imperial cleanup crew to hunt down and eliminate this threat to the Empire. And so you see it in Rebels. It's in Kenobi. It's in um, you know, Fallen Order. Um, so to teach him, yeah, you need to learn this stuff, but we got to keep this on the download because they're sending out probe droids everywhere looking for Kenobi and Kenobi. Yeah. It's conceivable that they have probe droids all throughout the galaxy. Yeah. Like they were saying in the square in Kenobi, like, we'll pay you to to point out the Jedi. Right. If you see them. So people are now being paid to rat on people that are Force sensitive. So, you know, it's not just, oh, there's no stormtroopers around. Let's wave our lightsabers around. It's like that neighbor might get 50 credits for making a comm call to the Empire.
1: Or broadcasting a message of hope to the entire galaxy that then alerts the rebel cells that, hey, listen, we're organizing something that's way bigger than what you may think it is. On one side, it gives hope to people who are going against the Empire, but also then it alerts the Empire. Ooh, something's yeah. going on on Lothal. We got to go down here and squash it because that was kind of
2: loud and that's exactly the thing is you know you've taken all the wind out of the jedi and and out of most of the rebels sails because anyone that's foolish enough to think that any order is good order our our (laughs) empire is sympathist but then you've got people that feel betrayed by the jedi like oh here's Mm -hmm. the empire and the jedi have have tried to kill the chancellor and all that. you know so there's there's all sorts of yeah rumors and, and no one really knows what's going on because the empire won't tell them so to have this sort of first hand knowledge that canaan has of everything that went down and how mm-hmm. it went down he's the one that would know you know listen it's important to know this stuff but we got to keep it under wraps and and we got to keep up with it and, and you've got to kind of unlock this within yourself true and he's trying to balance that
1: force ability in ezra and the rebellion that is growing, and from mm-hmm. not just Hera's perspective, because she's like you said, like sort of like the eyes in the sky portion, and open to more connections, maybe more well, like fulcrum, let's say it as fulcrum. And mm-hmm. uh, Kanan is more boots on the ground, like okay, well, how can we amass this army that can actually take on this, the the empire through this rebellion? You've got these two sides of this story. Trying to keep the the foot soldiers safe, but also integrate themselves into the greater rebellion. It's a very mm-hmm. tricky part because you now you have got two force users on the ghost. It's a very fine line they're trying to weave, and they're being successful. But th- that success then brings about scrutiny of the Empire and right. uh, Thrawn and um, Agent Callus. Callis, and uh, the Inquisitors, and the Inquisitors and. The governor Oh Price. Price, thank you. Yeah. So all these they're descending on Lothal as this epicenter of rebel cell activity. And yes. <laughs> they're almost too good for their own good. But that's they were also then gotten on the radar of the Greater Rebellion and individual cells that they thought like I think it was, was it I think it was Zeb who said, Wait, there's other cells? And like yeah, yeah. there are.
2: Yeah, and that's that's the key is Everyone only knows what they need to know so that if any of them are caught, they can't divulge more right. than is safe to divulge. So I think that with him knowing Bail Organa and having been a an Jedi and knowing that there's other Force sensors out there and all, it kind of makes him more keen to that idea that there are other people around and that they're sympathetic to the rebellion and all and that here we are you know we're, we're all doing our part but it's all kind of interconnected
1: yeah we're going to take a quick break here and we'll be right back in this great
0: big galaxy have you ever felt like you were meant for more than bullseyeing and womp rats or fixing broken speeders on some backwater moon then plocoon piloting institute should be your next destination That's right, at PKPI, learn to fly from aviation experts who've mastered the art of flying many ship styles, like Clone Commander Wolf.
1: That's right. We instruct on the Delta-7 Starfighters, arc 170s N-1 Starfighters, and A-Wings.
0: The Institute even has specialty pilots with expertise in improved Actus-class Jedi Starfighters and the brand new X-Wing Starfighters, right?
2: Yes. Yes, we do.
0: Well, clearly, Mr. Wolf has a class to give, so we'll let him go. But before we do, we have a special message from Jedi Master Plo Koon himself.
2: Koto ya, pilot. Join me to become the best pilot you can be. I've trained some of the best and worst. A uh, master Flo, Who are you talking to?
0: We even offer courses in flying casual, where you can learn to keep your distance without looking like you're keeping your distance. Casual flying results not guaranteed.
1: Alright, and we are back. Thank you very much for our sponsors, Plocoon's Flight School. That sounds
2: like a blast. Well, that's why I hate flying. <laughs> <laughs> Plocoon. I'll tell you. Um, he really takes this whole mentoring very seriously and is very uh almost authoritarian with ezra like ezra screws up he's a teenager and mm-hmm. like he does dumb stuff like all teenagers do it and he's like super hard on him yes. but at the same time look i have to be because this is a real threat you mess up like this in the wrong situation and you die yes or you mess up in the wrong situation and you give away this rebel cell mm-hmm. or yourself as a jedi and like in one of the episodes of Rebels, so Ezra's first lightsaber. Yeah, um, first one. Fantastic because it's got a blaster on it. Yep. and like he pulls it out when they're in a skirmish, and Caden's like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> and he's like, "I got this." Pew pew. And Caden's like, "What? <laughs> I, I never thought a of that." <laughs> on that thing. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have one of those. So it's a whole thing where he's got this delicate balance of of protecting him. But also exploring his force abilities and all mm-hmm. and teaching him the consequences of failure. Yeah. Kanan has learned from failure and the failure of the Jedi as a whole in Order 66. The failure of losing your way through a new dawn and through exposure. As you foul up in the presence of the wrong people, that's it. You're done. Yeah. You know, he literally says to Ezra, I lost
1: my way for a long time. and." For him to admit that to Ezra is that beyond the fact that you can manipulate the Force, Jedi are just as fallible as any other human. Like you said, also with being a teenager and all those different trappings, Ezra does rebel against him many times. And both him and Hera are frustrated by what he actually chooses to do, whether it's you know going off mission or... Doing things that he thinks that are right. Let's even with Maul later on. Uh, yeah, trust
2: the wrong people. Yeah,
1: or <laughs> hooking up with Hondo. It's <laughs> it's questionable, but
2: I'm sure had had heard of Maul. Hmm. Okay, because he was alive through the Clone Wars. He, he knew Obi Wan Kenobi. You know, at least to some degree and you know i'm sure had heard of maul killing qui-gon or or giving the jedi a run for their money through uh mandalore and and all that all that that maul put the galaxy through i'm sure he had heard of him and and yeah, i'm sure he knew what a sith holocron looked like right so so when ezra's like hey so i got this new friend and he gave me this and he's like no <laughs> don't do that. And he does it anyway. It's like, come on. <laughs> you know, obviously, you want to let him learn from his mistakes, but some mistakes you don't learn from. Some mistakes kill you. So, yeah, or they backstab you or they get in a saber battle with you and then leave you blind. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's one of those things where you, you want to give him enough freedom to learn from his experiences, but. Not enough that he can go sideways, and then he follows Ezra when Ezra's on this path with Maul because he's protective of Ezra and wants him to stay alive. Um, so it ends up being confrontation, believe it or not. Maul isn't like the cleanest of fighters,
1: <laughs> and he's got ulterior motives,
2: <laughs> yeah, so like believe it or not, he cheats from time to time. uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um and absolutely cheated in his battle with Kanan, <laughs> and really, like, almost kills him. Yes. Like, lightsaber to the face. Another inch closer would have been yep. gone. I should have aimed so, for the neck. which... <laughs> uh, should have gone for your <laughs> neck. You know, he was super close to death, and thank the force, he was one step back. But... You know, again, it's one of these situations where something goes sideways and you're in serious trouble. Yeah. So he gets blinded by this conflict with Maul. Can't see at all. It's not like, oh, he's blurry vision. Like, he no, can't see at done. all. it's done. Yeah. So he has to rely on his other senses. A good news for him is he's also got the Force as his ally, whereas uh, we do not. So uh, <laughs> his whole dynamic changes at that point.
1: I think that this is a major change for Kanan. He's lost his sight. Mm -hmm. He becomes a different person. We can even go back Mm -hmm. to where he was captured and tortured with the Inquisitor and the Grand Inquisitor. And Mm -hmm. Ezra leads a mission to go and save Kanan. The Grand Inquisitor lets himself fall into this explosion of the station because he failed in trying to capture Ezra and Kanan. It actually plays into the current episodes of Kenobi. We'll see what happens with the, with the Kenobi series. But once mm-hmm. he suffers this injury, he's got this clarity about him. He's got this new focus about him, almost more clear with the Force. And Ezra is learning that he needs to step up more. He needs to learn more from uh, Kanan. And Kanan is putting more uh, pressure on Ezra to learn quicker. He suffered a great injury. And only now are they actually moving more forward with their relationship and the
2: learning of what he needs to do. Yeah, well, you know, you think about the situations that they're in on the daily, where they're constantly trying to evade the empire, yet make progress with trying to bring the empire down. So you have to get close enough to them to expose their secrets or to damage or injure them. But far enough away that you're not discovered and it's a delicate balance with that add to that the fact that he can't see Mm -hmm. on paper becomes a liability right because you can't see your enemy coming Mm -hmm. there's so much deficits that you now have that you can't see so at that point it's like how much time do i have before i'm discovered i'm caught or i'm killed so all of this knowledge that i have first hand knowledge from jedi school on coruscant that you will not get anywhere else mm. you know mm. you read an ancient text okay that's you're reading a book great um but i've learned from jedi masters firsthand and you need to learn this stuff too yeah. so it's kind of a oh we'll just keep our heads down and we'll figure it out but now it's I don't know how long it'll be till I get in another situation where I might not make it out of it. Mm. So I need to pass on this information to you like stat. Yeah. And then coming in with the Bendu and learning from him, there is good that happens. There's bad that happens. But the force itself is not good or bad. To put it in perspective with beings, the force is the force. It's how you use it that determines its goodness or badness. Mm-hmm. You need to also be mindful of that and respectful of that. And, and so then, you know, Canaan kind of learns that and passes that on as well. And in an attempt to kind of center and ground Ezra with the fundamentals of
1: the force. Yeah, because you know? the Bendu brought up to Canaan that look, there's the dark side and the, and the light side as mm-hmm. the Bendu were agnostic to both sides. Mm-hmm. You've got your own two sides going. You've got an example of Maul, who's going to take the dark side. You've got Kanan, who's uh, going to take the light side. Once we go through that, the Holocrons of Fate episode, where he visits the Bendu, Maul sort of lures Ezra mm-hmm. into this, this situation. And then Ezra uh, falls in line with Maul, basically almost as an apprentice. Yeah. Kanan's ejected outside, outside of the ship. And we see this literally a year before... The Last Jedi. You've got mm-hmm. Kanan who's floating through space and uses the Force to keep himself alive, therefore giving weight to the Leia scene, as opposed to Mary Poppins. No, this is actually canon a year oh, yeah. before. He pulls him in. He's got this conflict that, look, I've got this Padawan who's very easily
2: distracted and being pulled in by the dark side. He had closed off almost entirely in his early 20s. And then kind of ease back into it. But of course, he's not able to do it out in the open and public with the Empire. So Mm -hmm. so it's just kind of like he's on that fine line. But now, you know, he he no longer really has that choice because he has to rely on the force to be mindful of his surroundings and to really know what's going to keep him safe or, or keep him guided on the right path. He needs to be constantly connected to that. Yes. And. So I think now he is and it's giving him sort of more clarity but then also a different purpose. Okay, you know, yeah, he's still doing the rebel spell leadership thing, but he's also yeah, we got to take down the empire, but we also have to preserve the good.
1: And it's tough because Ezra is on his own path. Oh my gosh. Ugh. Kanan is yes. trying to guide him and Maul is pulling him. I mean, the the Twin Sons episode where Ezra goes off and leads Maul to Obi-Wan and their their ultimate confrontation. Um, Mm -hmm. But realizes he was played. He comes back to the ghost crew and he sort of reintegrates. But then Mm -hmm. we come to uh, the Jedi Knight episode. Mm. The Lothwolves bring a message to Kanan and... There's almost a serenity about him. He changes his appearance.
2: He shaves yeah. his
1: beard. And it's Cuts a very hair. Oh, yeah, it's a very it's unsettling because it's as if he has an awakening of what he knows what's coming. And right. and he's preparing. Yeah, he's preparing. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, and when he speaks to Hera and. Yeah, he brings her her Calicori and she even says, I hate your hair. <laughs> it's yeah. I honestly don't understand what he's doing because is he regressing to his earlier self where he was like protecting himself from what he had to do because ultimately his sacrifice, spoiler alert, is a very very heavy part of this the entire rebels arc. Oh yeah, and you see him sacrifice himself. It's uh it's hard to understand but it's also heartwarming because he saves the entire ghost crew. Yeah, I mean that's
2: that's ultimately why he did it because if he. Hadn't done that, they all would have been engulfed in flames, yes, right, and they all would have perished. Um, oh, yeah, he gives himself into
1: the force. It's as if the loath wolves, and even one of the loath wolves calls himself Doom, yeah, says, Here, here's your path, this was going to happen. And it's biblical yeah. in one sense, it's also sacrificial in another. And he sets Ezra on his path, he sets um Sabine, Sabine, they all have their own perspective and even
2: Zeb and Callus and true kind of Very on their true. path too. I think he's established a connection between the living and the cosmic force hmm. and is not only able to communicate with these loath wolves, but also I think there's a part of his essence that came to him through that wolf. And then merged with it once he became part of the cosmic force. Hmm. So then, when Ezra sees that wolf later on, it's it's a connection with Canaan. Right. Ooh. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. He's a special guy for sure. He is. And I think that that doom is primal version of Caleb doom. The Purest essence of his contribution to the force.
1: When I was watching the episode, I was trying to see if there's any sort of visual cues to the lothwolves, but also that final massive Lothwolf.
2: The the markings on the um yeah. forehead of okay. the wolf yes are the same as Kanan has on the blinder mask. So there's there that. is there is definitely that <laughs> symbolism there as well, which wow. you know alludes to even like uh, some reincarnation properties Mm -hmm. if you're intermingling the cosmic and living forces then some possession aspects maybe you know like there's several things that could manifest based on that connection that he's made
1: spiritual wow dang Mm -hmm. jesus
2: (laughs) (laughs) i don't think it's by mistake that ezra has an attachment to Especially that alpha wolf, right? Because mm-hmm. because he had that connection with with Kanan, right? Wow. Uh, Price
1: erroneously blows up the fuel depot, which, of course, takes Canaan. But he had that piece about him. He knew that was coming. That was like right. predetermined. He knew that was part of his story and mm-hmm. his uh, fate. And that led to ultimately the
2: uh, rebel victory on yeah. the ball. So then you couple that with the teachings that he imparted Mm -hmm. to Ezra and the legacy that he left with Hera Mm. you know Jason there. Yes. And then of course the whatever that connection is with that alpha loath wolf that he's still able to impart wisdom to Ezra similarly to how Obi Wan did with Luke after he died, Ooh, nice. so I don't know if at that point they hadn't established the manifestation of the Force Ghost yet, so they had to present to the living in a different way, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like through, yeah. Yeah. through a you know possession of an animal or mm-hmm. something along those lines, um, to kind of bridge that gap until they were able to. Harness that power to just appear. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it's the same effect where where he's able to still be there and to still guide him, you know, kind of crossing over into that physical realm. Wow. <sighs> so there he is. Uh-huh. Kanan Jarrus. Uh, voiced by Freddie Prinze Jr. Mm-hmm. In Rebels. He's a big nerd, too, which is awesome. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what other impact he's had on Ezra. the yes. time we see him again, mm-hmm. we will see him again. Yeah.
1: Let us know your thoughts. <laughs> if you have any predictions where canon will show up, where there is a force ghost or is a force voice, let us know on our various uh, options to communicate to us, whether it's Instagram, Twitter or Facebook or email. Uh, we'd love to know what you guys think. Mm-hmm. And where can they reach
2: us? Online. Sweet. Presumably. Um, <laughs> we're at uh, conversations.com, facebook.com/slash/conversations, twitter at conversations, conversations on Instagram. Got our link tree with our shirt shop, our Red Five Network, and all our pals and and goodies are up <laughs> up uh, on the interwebs. So, pals uh, and goodies. Our pals and goodies, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, So that being said, I think um, the only way to end this in the only way that we can in a Kanan episode, and that's now I know there's something stronger than fear, far stronger, the Force.